Today's episode of the Degenerate Business School is brought to you by Government Bonds, funding wars and bureaucracy since the dawn of modernity, and Corporate Bonds, which are also bonds. Hey, Berta. Cheers. Cheerio. Mmm. It's Friday. The, uh, the Mueller report. It's out, baby. It means nothing for us, but... But no one knows what's in it. And this ain't no politics podcast, but... What does a win look like here? Uh, I'll tell you what a win looks like. Please, please. Because I'm not expecting anything big... But if we find out that a troop of Russian prosties peed on the Donald, we won. Yeah. Couldn't possibly care less about collusion or... or the actual state yeah. of the nation. Yeah. I want to know, did the prosties pee on the Donald? Yeah. 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 Oh, they definitely did. I just... I want to know if they have the video. <laughs> Would you watch the video? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know, actually. <laughs> If someone else is willing to watch it and then tell me about it, I, that's that's going to be good enough for me. Uh, all right, people people aren't here to talk about the Mueller report. Although we could. We could keep going. But uh, we're going to pivot <clears throat> macroeconomics corner this week. The market was savage today. And yeah. why was it savage, Robert? Well, I hate to tell you, but the storm clouds are gathering. And why are the storms cloud, storm clouds gathering? Well... The great yield curve. The bond yield curve. The treasury bond yield curve? Just, just... The curve. The curve. The curve, the great yield curve, has inverted. Such that long-term rates have fallen below short-term rates. What is the signal, Robert? It signals the doom of the economy. So let us educate us. Why does an inversion of the yield curve lead to the doom of the economy? Well, a couple of things. Um, one is that it has to be a prolonged inversion. It's not like, oh, it happened for about an hour and... Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It, today, it was the first day. Right. It's got to go for three months, is what I read. At least three months. If it's inverted more or less consist- consistently for three months, then 100% recession rate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, as far as why... This is going to sound a lot like my understanding of the cloud, except I actually kind of sort of know what I'm talking about here. Uh, the problem well, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> but go on. Fair. So the, the problem largely is that banks generally will borrow in the short term and lend in the long term. It's, so, it's a long, long-honored practice. Right. Mm-hmm. So with a normal yield curve, banks make money by lending money. Um, when the yield curve inverts, banks now have to pay more to borrow than they do to than they receive from loans. Mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. the loans stop and the economy falls apart. Fewer people get mortgages. Uh, small businesses are not extended credit, etc., 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 etc. And and if you believe our prognostications, the great 
oil crisis of 2020 is upon us. So what you're telling me is the financial security blanket in the private sector is being undermined. The great oil crisis is looming. And let me add another kicker to the great storm cloud of the macro economy. Please lay it on me. The deficit, your favorite topic. Well, is your gripe the deficit or the debt? I mean, The, the debt, the debt is problematic, but now the deficit has ballooned uh, in the first five months of the year, growing 39%. Why is this a problem? Well, if the Great Recession is on the horizon, but sorry, not the Great Recession, but a recession. A recession. <clears throat> but, I mean, if you listen to our oil podcast, it's the apocalypse. Yeah. It's yeah. the road warrior apocalypse. I, ha- I have a bunker I'm, like, <laughs> setting up. Yeah. So the Great Oil Crisis is coming. Banks are not going to make money on lending, thereby they'll pull back. The deficit is ballooning when the recession comes and the economy needs stimulus. The government is already in a deficit hold and it will put us in an untenable position from a deficit spending situation. If you believe in the Keynesian model, and we try to spend our way out of it. All of this suggests, Robert, that 2020 will be the worst year in human history. Are you with me? (laughs) I think maybe, maybe, uh, Top five worst years. <laughs> Top five. Top five. You got 1939, <laughs> 1914, 2020? Probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. I um, guess you could throw 1861 in there. I'm just going to Arguable. Arguable. The wars. The you wars. got three wars, and then you got the great oil crisis. <laughs> um, a- anyway... Forget about the yield curve for a second. Yeah. Forget about the certain resource war and crisis created by the global shipping maritime regulations coming in 2020, which we've discussed. Right. Forget about the ballooning deficit. Is it not just inevitable that the bull market must come crashing down? It's been too long. It has. It's been 11 years. This is getting out of hand. We need a correction. And we need a correction. Why? Because we want to double down when chaos collapses on the economy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's, we're here to make money. And, you know, if some people will get screwed in the process, it's unfortunate. But, it's, but chaos is a ladder. Right. Um, no, yeah. It, it's definitely not looking like a good year for 2020. Um, but... Yeah, this this debt and deficit thing, it just, it, I don't know, it, it really bugs me. By the way, full disclaimer, if we're wrong about 2020, if it's not the apocalypse, you no one who's listening to this can hold it against us. I mean, realistically, there's like... I mean, of course you can hold it against us, but please don't. <laughs> right, well, most of our information comes from, like, the Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg, so you, you probably have a better shot... Blaming and in any case, we're more interested in being inflammatory than right at the end of the day. And, and making money is, is also nice. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, should we move to businesses? Sure, let's do it. Any, anything else you want to add about the inverted yield curve? It just sounds really dramatic. It does. It does. Like. And, and it's, it's day one, so maybe we, should, we shouldn't panic. Um, yeah, it could just be a blip. But, uh, well... We have a good, I feel like we have a good topic this week in the businesses. So today it was reported that our dear friend, Shaquille Rashan 
O'Neal, a.k.a. Shaq, a.k.a. the Shaqtis, a.k.a. Kazam. He is now an official board member of Papa John's International. What does this mean, Robert? Shaq, he gonna be selling you pizza on NFL Sunday now. Forget <laughs> about John Schnatter and his antics. We got the Shaqtis selling us pizza. Used to be, it used to be John Schnatter and Peyton Manning. Now it's Shaq. And that by itself is exciting. It is. It is. Might make uh, Papa John's Pizza... Relevant again. Yeah. High growth engine it once was. Now shambled into ruins by John Schnatter's silly antics. I am bullish on Papa John's. I'm not going to buy the stock because I don't believe in pizza because it's not in the cloud. Cloud pizza, you have me. Jeff Bezos, get on it. Cloud pizza. Um, Fun fact. (laughs) Couple fun facts about Shaq. So apparently, I don't know if it's as part of his board membership, Shaq has a stake in nine Papa John's locations to add to his already impressive arsenal of food locations. Shaq owns a Krispy Kreme outlet. Shaq also owns a restaurant in Las Vegas. He owns a restaurant in LA. And previous to this, he owned not one, not two, but 27 Five Guys locations. So our boy Shaq, he likes the foods. He does. He does. He's a big boy. But I want to ask you a different question, Robert. Where does Shaq rank in the constellation of athlete, entrepreneur, businessmen? Because he's up there. He is. He is. Uh, For me, top five. Um, There's certain ones you you can't ignore. Michael Jordan, right? He's Mikey J. He's an owner. He's an owner. He's got that owner money. And and the fact that it all came from a signature shoe brand. Yeah, know. actually has nothing to do with his athletic earnings. Right, right. Collateral from the shoe. Yeah. Um, so, there's him. So, number one, you're putting Mikey J number one. Yeah, yeah. He's an owner. He's an owner. Um, and, a, and an outright owner. Right. Important distinction. Not 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 a minority owner like my number two here. Okay. Uh, Magic? Eh. Magic's pretty impressive. It's, it's pretty impressive, but... He, Except he, for the Lakers thing. Yeah. It's not going, going yeah. well. So, but the Dodgers, it's going relatively well. Sure, sure. Um, he's doing all right. Mm-hmm. Um, number three? Mm-hmm. George Foreman. Georgie Foreman. Love George Foreman. How can you get hit in the face so many times and still make a billion dollars selling grills? Do we know how much money he made selling them grills? (laughs) For all we know, he made $12. But the the fact that he's, like, immortalized, like, if you have a grill that isn't a grill, it's a George Foreman grill. Yeah. A grill that's on your counter (laughs) that could burn down your house, it's a George Foreman grill. No matter who makes it. Right. Well, the fact that he did this after, you know, God knows how many concussions, it's, it's impressive. Hats off to you. At least the Baker's dozen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then after that we put Shaq, I put Shaq anyway. I don't know what your list looks like, but. All right. Let me, let me ask you this. So Shaq's number four. Yeah. If not for the grill from George (laughs) Foreman, he's number three. Yeah. Plus, we, we actually don't know what George Foreman's net worth is. 
We get a pretty good idea what Mikey J's uh, yeah. net worth is. I, I think he's technically in the Tres Commas Club. Yeah, he's Tres Commas. The only other people I have in the Constellation, I, I think I agree with your power rankings. Derek Jeter is a part owner of the Miami Marlins, maybe. I don't know what that gets him, but he seems to actually be a pretty terrible owner. Yeah. So it's, it's going to come crashing down, I think. Sure. Well, but, put him, but the fact that he has enough money to get there... Impressive to quite impressive. Yeah. Here's another one I'm gonna throw out there, and I don't I don't know if this counts. And I'd have, and I feel like you're not gonna get on board. Do we put David Beckham in the conversation? How, how's he making money? <laughs> I, I, I'm open. I'm it's open, a good question. I'm open to be to being sold on this. I'm pretty sure that he's really rich. Sure. Point number one. Yeah. Point number two. I don't know why he's so rich, besides the fact that he was a soccer superstar. But I think that he's made a lot of money off of like Versace modeling. I mean, he he is rather attractive. He's a good-looking guy. I don't know that it's modeling. I think people just give him money because he's David fucking <laughs> Beckham. Hey, Davey B, here's a, a suitcase <laughs> full of money. You uh, keep doing you. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to putting him on the Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know if he is in fact a model or actually if he's making money. Yeah, I actually feel like he he has no business sense whatsoever. He just he just he's like Zoolander. He just happens to be really attractive. He's right? human Zoolander, yeah. or not human Zoolander, real world <laughs> Zoolander. Zoolander is a human too. I want to throw one more out there, although. I feel like maybe it's a nascent it's a nascent entrepreneur business woman, Serena Williams. Here's so it's I don't know if it's demonstrable yet, but number one, mm-hmm. she married a highly successful white businessman. Good job by her. Yeah. Potential mentorship opportunity there. Plus, she had a somewhat successful documentary. Documentary about her succeeding at tennis. So she kind of has the LeBron James media, nascent media empire. And we could put Lebronius in the same conversation, too. It just dawned on me that we we hadn't. That we didn't talk about yeah. LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to be in the conversation, too, right? But he's... he's maybe, maybe this is the problem. With Serena and LeBron, it's like they're still playing. Right. So the rubber won't meet the road until they actually exit the sphere of athletics. Alright. But I'm, 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 I'm in early. I'm in early on Serena and Bron Bron. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think that's it. So we're saying Shaq's number four. Shaq's number four. To, oh. to, to me, it, it's impressive that he's never changed his brand. Like, people will often do whatever they have as, as a blatant power grab, but Shaq's not done that. When he came out with a shoe, it was a relatively inexpensive shoe. When he's Going into business, buying restaurants, he's not... I mean, I don't know about this Las Vegas restaurant. I'm assuming it's not like... We haven't been there. Yeah. But, you know, all these other ones, Krispy Kremes, Papa John's, Five Guys, it's all... Well, that's just the food. The most impressive thing on his resume is he was a part owner of Ring before it was bought by Amazon. Which means he could have $400 trillion. Yeah. Maybe enough to overtake... uh, Like EJ? Or George Ford. <laughs> well, here's what I'm really getting at. Is Shaqtis the next 
NBA owner. Doesn't have to be the NBA, but the next sports owner. Is he on? I feel like he's on the path to have sports owner money. Yeah, and, and I don't think he gets enough credit for it just because a lot of these things are more or less um, very under the radar. Like, I would have never known that he was, you know, building a, a fast food empire. Which is a credit to him because generally, uh, besides the likes of Bezos and the really prominent Silicon Valley tycoons, generally the richest bastards in the world are just people that you've never heard of behind the scenes yeah, with a portfolio of business interests. But also the fact that he has all these things and he's still doing the basketball and TNT got a lot of time in his hands. Well, I think for him, that's like doing this podcast. I I put, you know, blood, sweat and tears into this podcast. As you can tell, (laughs) we are nailing it. All right. One, the only other thing we want to highlight this week in the businesses uh, is Boeing. Quick update on Boeing. I was kind of making a case last week. Okay, I have to. I have to fit in my terrible Boeing. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? This is what I wrote down. The turbulence continues for Boeing. Is it good? It's it's a little soon, but, but well, turbulence doesn't lead to death, so that's fine. I I don't know. It's like to me making peace with you know, with the Lord. Yeah. The turbulence continues this week. Anyway, back to my line. The turbulence continues this week for Boeing. Uh, last week, I was definitely more on the, by now, this is a blip, but I we were cautiously optimistic. We said, there is a chance that this could be a prolonged PR actual safety nightmare. And this week's news cycle definitely confirmed that Boeing was cutting cutting corners big time. Or more to the point. They weren't actually, like, fully integrating safety features into the 737 MAX, and they were, like, trying, basically, to uh, angle, like, full software componentry and upgrades as an upsell tactic when they actually made the purchase contracts, which is shady as hell. And this week, or today, actually, an Indonesian carrier, who none of us know, uh, canceled an order for 49 of these, you know, overran... 737 maxes. So the stock was down again today. I don't know if we've reached the floor yet, but when I feel like we have the time, the time will be right to strike, but I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a bit of a governance issue here. And I would agree with you on that one. Um, one, when you get into shady shit, when it's not just mere incompetence, but things that are actually shady it's a profiteering thing yeah Yeah, yeah. um it's not it's not impossible for the floor to just you know completely fall out from under you Mm -hmm. so if this is as bad as it seems this could go a lot lower um the reason i wouldn't touch it is that the options are still priced as though this is a company that can get to you know well and i was looking at that part of this as YQ pointed out to us, mm-hmm. is that Boeing, over the last several years, has actually been a darling of the stock market. Right. It has vastly outperformed the S&P. Right. Uh, so there is an ortho... And there's also this orthodoxy out there that they've had glitches like this before. Case in point, the Dreamliner had the lithium battery issue, right? Yeah. 
but that was resolved, so it was kind of like it fit into this narrative of, yes, perennially Boeing has these rollout issues, but ultimately it's a sound company, and they're kind of dunking on the world airplane market, but this this feels a little bit different. Yeah, um, no, I mean, I, I definitely understand why there is, like, a bit of trust and a bit of prestige when it comes to, to Boeing. I, I've owned Boeing in the past, and it's, it's treated me well, but... Um, one, the options are expensive given that it has that history. And two, the downside potential is very, very real. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not saying it, it, you can't make money on it. I just feel like there are maybe not, maybe safer is not the right word, but there are easier, better ways of making money than through Boeing. Which we'll get into. Which we will get into. Let's get into it now. Alright. Stock tip corner. Um, you don't have a tip this week. I don't have a tip this week just because when the market gets um, volatile, I I like to wait things out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, 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 a rule of thumb that is when the VIX spikes, I don't buy things just because... Where was the VIX today? Um, I want to say it's like 17, but it's up. Ooh, about, and it's been at like 14, right? Yeah. 12 up, to 14. It's up like 20% today. Yikes. So. Well, because of the great inversion. Because, correct. Um, so generally speaking, when the VIX spikes, options get more expensive, so I don't buy anything. So no stick, no stock tip of the week today, but I can give you an update on all the positions I hold that I've recommended here so far. Full disclaimer, um, you are not responsible. I, I'm not. These are things that I own should you choose to follow me. You're an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in case you are following, this is this is what we have so far. Uh, since I bought into Cisco, the option, sorry, the stock is up 12%. Um, the S&P is up 4% and the option is up 50%. Attaboy. So... 99 yard touchdown. Yeah. I mean, had I, had I done this podcast yesterday, it would have been better, but you know, such is life. Mm-hmm. Um, since I bought Aurora Cannabis, the stock is up 30%. The S&P is up 1%. The option is up 61 Throwing darts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I might be on to something here. And here come the strikeouts. <laughs> <laughs> EEM, the... Emerging Markets ETF. Ah, what a glory. Yeah, since I bought into the ETF, well, since I recommended the ETF, um, because I actually bought in before that, um, it is up, sorry, it is down 1%, the S&P is flat, and the option is down 8%. So, just as I was, you know, starting to believe my own bullshit, Mm -hmm. I uh, I walk into this one. (laughs) We did, we had a conversation a couple days ago. And I asked you, I was like, I think you might actually be a genius. <laughs> and you agreed with me. I like did. A dick. I, I did. I didn't I didn't play modest. I didn't even pretend. I was like, yeah, I am. Um, another another <laughs> disclaimer on this EEM, because I approached you earlier in the week. <laughs> do you remember this? Yeah, I do. This is a moral question and you held firm. I'm yeah. glad. Um, I walked into your office and I said, <laughs> hey. As of right now, as uh-huh. of this moment, EEM is outperforming the S&P. 
It hasn't done that since I recommended it, but as of right this moment, it is outperforming the S&P. That's correct. Is it okay if I sell out of this right now? And I told you, fuck nah. Fuck nah. Sell on Friday. You can't just sell it on Tuesday and then tell everyone on Friday that you did it. And you gotta give them a chance. So, I, I held on to it. And mm-hmm. now I'm down... Because you're an upright citizen. 8%. Mm-hmm. We might be degenerates, but we have morals. <laughs> How, however that works, you, you try to figure it out. Well, being a degenerate is uh, compromising your own safety and common sense, but it's you can still have a regard for others Fair. within certain constraints. Sure. <laughs> um, and then CVS. Since, did I recommend it last week? It was last week, yeah. Okay. So CVS is flat, hasn't moved. It actually went up quite a bit, but it gave it all back today. Um, so CVS is flat, the S&P is down 1%, and the option also flat. So eking, eking out a winning position. Three and one. Now, I have an update of my own. Okay. I did take a flyer on ExxonMobil two weeks ago, after our treatise on the great oil crisis, which is still our best work to date, besides the Kraft Heinz ketchup massacre, which is our most listened to episode. But all the world is oil... Number two, listen to episode. Uh, ExxonMobil, it's up moderately. It was up 2% as of yesterday. I haven't checked today. So you're not banging it on ExxonMobil, but you won't until the great oil crisis no, and, and, of 2020. I think we did tell people that the great oil crisis likely won't actually um, start to have noticeable effects until... Q3, Q4. Yeah, 2022. Right. So So if you're not slaying it by 2020, a mea apologia. But until then. But until then, (laughs) it could go down 400%. Y'all can go fuck yourselves. (laughs) Um, Remind me of the... XOM? No. MJ. Oh, MJ. Alternative Harvest. Yeah. They don't actually own it. Oh. All right, I'll, I'll bring that update next week. But that was a winner as of like a couple of weeks ago. It still is, as far as I can tell. I don't. Okay. I don't know what the percentage is, but it looks to be substantially higher than. Go long on marijuana and shack. Yeah, shack oil marijuana, the holy trinity of the degenerate business school. And uh, if you're feeling ballsy, I don't know, maybe George Foreman grills. <laughs> maybe their time is coming past, <laughs> but we won't forget you, Georgie. <laughs> All right. As ever, you're welcome, America. You're welcome. Farewell. Farewell.